Hello, welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, and in a rare occurrence, I am back with my co-host, Nick. What's up, Nick? Hello. Thanks for having me back. It's good to have you back. Felt like I was going in extinct or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. The amount of intros, I mean, any you know, the, the, the two people who've been listening to this show will testify that the past few <laughs> intros, the amount of times I just say, oh, welcome to the Waking, Wasting Time podcast. It's Chris here. Nick's tied up with stuff. I'll have him back soon. I'll do a proper intro when he's back. That'll be soon. Right. And then... Well, didn't even bother half, half a year later. Right. Is it that long? Six months? It's, yeah, I think so. I think more or less. Because I think uh, you and I were just saying before that I believe the social... Not social D, the Unwritten Law, Scott Ruto show was... I think that was the last one you did. And that right. was back in the summer. Okay. Cool. Yeah, well, I've been kind of busy. Um you know, having a baby and, and stuff. So absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's good to be back and do as I'll try and do as many as these as, as I can. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my life has changed significantly. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I was going to say, how have you um, been getting on rolling solo in the last few? Yeah, it's been, it's, it's it's been okay. I mean. And I've said this to a few guests, like you get into the rhythm of like, you're used to doing it with someone else. So you kind of, you know, you think about when you're going to ask the next question and you, you know, when, so I know when you're going to jump in and stuff. So you kind of have to be a lot more on your toes when you're just by yourself. Cause you're just like, particularly if it's with just one guest, like, okay, I need to have questions ready. Otherwise we're just going to be sat here staring at each other at the screen. You know? <laughs> Uh, it can be awkward. It can be an awkward place, can't it? Like some, it can. like depending on your guest, and especially if you don't like, you've like had no contact with the guest before, other than just like emails. Or you've been speaking to a publicist or a PR exactly. person, and like, exactly. and they turn up and they're just like, it's they're just not very chatty. That's like, which, like the which does fear as a podcaster, sometimes. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I suppose that comes with the territory. You need to be prepared to find ways to deal with that. But the, yeah, it's always it's always it's always nice when the guest is well, one really interesting and two quite engaging with you. So, like immediate example, the last guy who was on Alex Melton, the YouTuber, I hadn't had any contact with him directly prior to it. Was all through a publicist, and he jumped on and he was. That's just, mad that the, that guy has yeah. got a publicist. Like, oh yeah, yeah, like no. a YouTube guy who's you know. Um, made you know success from doing covers and like it's crazy summer okay summarize it for us in general like what's like that that episode in terms of like him it's well very intriguing because i was really interested in how someone because he kind of exploded during the pandemic and now he's you know as i said to him anyone who's in into this sort of music to any extent will know him he will have popped up on their algorithm so he's kind of a bit of a youtube celebrity in our world at least so i'm just i was just really curious at how he went from you know being an unknown to being there like what that journey looked like so obviously i asked him in detail and because i was genuinely interested and he was he was very informative about it i'd be listening to him talking i'm like okay i'm gonna ask him about that i'm gonna ask him about that i'm gonna ask him about that so i'd have like all loads of questions building up in my head alongside the notes that I kind of had ready. So that kind of made that easy in that respect. I was going to say what interests me as well about kind of that world is like 
the money side and like like how lucrative lucrative it is from like a monetization perspective but it's not really something you can ask like someone because it's a bit kind of like it's like you know you don't just ask a random how much they earned for a living day it's no, like a it's like rude like but actually you yeah, you can't but like it's i don't know it's interesting it would be interesting to know kind of what that world can generate from like uh for him as from a personal perspective obviously he's doing I mean, is that his full-time thing? Is there anything it, yeah, like else he does? Is. And obviously I can't outright ask um, what kind of figures he makes from it. Yeah. But I mean, he must be comfortable at least. Yeah. And But I, th- I think, you know, it does come with a lot of work. Like he was talking me through his week. And like, so he tries to put out a cover every week and the amount of time that goes into that is yeah. like what a regular full-time job would be plus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Nice. So that was an interesting one, and but yeah, so that's an example of when someone's very easy to talk to, and there's there's plenty to cover. But some, you know, it can be a little hard. I mean, you we've had plenty when it's both you and me, and it's it's it can be hard enough. So when it's one on one, yeah, you do you kind of you feel it a bit more. Going back to obviously, you know, your life changing massively. Um, yeah. How's how's that affected like in terms of this podcast? Obviously music based podcast like in terms of like the music you've been been digesting the last few months have have you been able to <laughs> keep on top of stuff at all or like has that fallen by the wayside yeah, not really i mean i find myself like i f- found myself on kind of social media less and like just not bothering with i don't know like just time becomes a bit more a bit more precious really i guess yeah um so yeah not not massively i've kind of always told myself kind of having a child and a baby that like I will definitely music will be a big part of her, yeah. well, her life I mean she'll she'll make that choice herself but I will always kind of bring her up around music and that was what it kind of yeah I always I was always gonna kind of do that so we've been playing lots of music around us there's been some pop punk in there as well we had a bit of Jimmy Eat World on the other day that she quite enjoyed but oh, in nice. terms of what song I think it was um, just middle, yeah. Middle okay. you know, it came on a random random playlist. Uh, so, yeah, I've been kind of just kind of playing lots of music to to her. and um, But, yeah, in terms of new stuff and, you know, kind of keeping in touch with what's what's happening, yeah, I'd say not so much. And that's, that's why I'm going to rely on you to tell me what's, what's what. <laughs> yeah, well, well, um Listener, forgive us because we, you know, we were just kind of really just getting ready for the interview we had today. So we weren't doing what we used to do back in the day, preparing for intros where I'd be saying, well, we'd be saying to each other, listen to this, listen to this. And uh, so we haven't done any of that this time. But it's crazy. We haven't even talked about like big things that have happened in our world the past few months. Like Blink, we never discussed, we haven't even discussed that. I mean, not that I'm saying let's go into that now. But, um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. It'll just be like okay, <laughs> it was funny actually, game, and, you know? and it kind of links to the the parenting thing. Um, I've kind of started listening to, to Rob Beckett and jo- Josh Widdicombe's Parenting Hell podcast. It's like yeah. one of the top top kind of podcasts. And I did start listening to it before I had a child, but I felt like a fraud listening to it. So I kind of picked yeah. it up since I've had one. And um, what's his name, Justin? What's his name? It was in the jungle. Justin, the one that was on Strictly. 
Justin, come on. Justin. You know who it is. We were, we were going to try and get him on the podcast at one point. Oh, do you mean Sean Walsh? Oh, Sean Walsh. Where have I got Justin from? <laughs> yeah, well, if you're Sean saying Walsh. the wrong fucking name at me, like, <laughs> I did start with the jungle and then sort of looking at me knowingly, I'm thinking, does he mean Sean Walsh? But he's like Justin and Sean. Anyway, yeah, because I know Sean that Walsh. Sean Walsh is he's about, a big Blink fan. He is. He is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've talked about him about being on the show before. In fact, I try try and reach out to him before again. But uh, well, I know he's having. Yeah, he's having a having a, a kid basically. So yes, I was he hasn't had one that. yet. It's in like May yeah. or something. Um, but he he's, he was on that podcast basically because they've started a, rather than just have parents on, they've had they've started bringing prospective parents on, and the idea Got is you. that yeah. they would come and chat to them before, and then they chat to them kind of a few months down the line to kind of track back on everything they've said. It's a good idea. But Sean Walsh was talking about Blink One Eighty Two and the tour and Tom DeLonge and how it how basically his baby arrives literally when that tour is on. Um, oh right, okay. But he's basically got a pass from his from his wife. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if they're married. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, or his fiance, I think. So he's yeah, going out to like he's going out to like I can't, somewhere in America. Going to like the. Either the one of the first or the last dates on the tour, and he's just like, I've had to put my foot down. Tom DeLong's like, <laughs> I, no, he said, I'm going to the start, like, this one of the early ones because he doesn't think that Tom DeLong is going to see out the whole the whole thing. Ah, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, kind of got a pass from the wife and just said, I think, I think his baby will be like a couple of months old, but. It just basically said that uh, that it's it's happening. I'm going. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that do you, do you agree with him? And do you think do you think Tom will be in? Will will do the whole thing and see it out? And uh, be careful what I say here. Well, I say that like Blink's team are going to be listening to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I um, I I I wasn't as thrilled about it as other Blink fans were, but um. I don't. I don't think. I think things have come to come to an end with Skiba. Like they'd, the best of that dynamic had already played out. So I get that they kind of had to go back to DeLong, and it would have been weird to get someone else in. Do you know what I mean? I just. I don't yeah. Think that would have looked weird, um, and but I it, think financially for them it made sense because it kind of it's it's drawn all this attention, and like there's people who aren't bothered about the band, you know, at all people who had a passing interest years ago, everyone wants tickets to this tour. So it's kind of, it's been, a, it's been a good kind of good marketing move at least. Yeah. Well, they kind of cited Tom's, um, not Tom's Mark's cancer, didn't they? As the kind of reason or Tom's reason to kind of, uh, yeah. you know, look at it again and kind of take the opportunity. But yeah, are you, are you going? Are you got a ticket for the London, London show? Or? No, uh, I, so I am going, but I didn't, I, I didn't know I hadn't told you this. Um, so I, I didn't even bother trying to get tickets. I know people who did and it was just impossible. But um, our friend Chris Gregory, shout out to him, uh, who lives in Dubai. Oh, you did tell me. Kinda, yeah. yeah, he's also recently become a father, <laughs> doing a bit of a, the Sean Walsh thing and he's like, I'm definitely going. So he's very <laughs> kindly... Um, Bought tickets for, for myself and my wife uh, for the Copenhagen show. So we're going to the Copenhagen one in sort of nice. mid-September. And you get a nice little trip away out of it as well. 
yeah, Copenhagen exactly. City. Exactly. Yeah, so it should be good. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that 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 pass, but um, fair enough. I like how um, you you kind of. I mean, we're going back a few months. This is catching up a little bit, I suppose, to be fair. But you you put some feelers out for another thing that I think you and I would have given anything to go to. But um, we were Young Fest two, which lineup I think with our taste is almost like a perfect lineup. But mm-hmm. Vegas in October, maybe maybe a bit yeah. bit of a tricky one. I don't know. We can maybe work it work. Again, I don't know if you get a ticket for that because tickets went off like. Went off the shelf like immediately for the first one, didn't they? They did, they did. I'm sure we could but, find yeah, a way if we well, wanted to. Yeah, well, there's a will, there's a way. There must be some bands we, we've we've spoken to that are on that bill as well. Oh, there definitely is. There's a good handful. Yeah. So just think, who yeah. do we know the best? Who did we get on with the best out of all those people? What's what? I, I guess a flight to Vegas from London's probably not not astronomical either. Like probably they're probably pretty it, regular, it are they? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be outrageous. Well, like five hundred quid, maybe more or less. Yeah. Okay. So you know, let, let's not let's not rule it out just let's yet. Let's not rule it out. Yeah. But yeah, um, not much in the way of gigs. I, you know, I will get along to grade two, um, though. So I'm looking forward to just having a having a night out and um, checking those boys out in March. What about you? Anything else going on? No, I don't think so. I think the only only gig I have coming up uh, is is Grade Two as well. So uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe that's an appropriate time to end this intro and on that subject because we were once again joined by Sid, one of the vocalists in Grade Two. Uh, I think uh, I can safely say it's a pal of ours now. Uh, very kindly gave us some time just on the week of their album coming out, and then hitting the road again for a long time so here he is we're joined by our friend sid from grade two returning to the show thanks for coming back sid thank you very much for having me again of course anytime and also this is this is a weird one for me because like so sid basically uh, nick's had his first child comparatively recently so i've done a lot of these shows solo to keep this going the last few months so this is nick's first show back since the summer so it's kind of it's good to have you back nick and, I, and, and congratulations! I, thank you. And I missed I missed the first one with with you guys last time as well. So, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because that was just before the social detour, wasn't it? it? And then we were chatting then. Yeah, I remember. It was literally like the week before, I think. Oh, Nick's like the drummers. He's a slacker. <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually true. remember why I bailed. Chris, I'm sure you've got a good memory. You can probably remember what my excuse was. Some work thing, Kate, because it was on a Friday afternoon, sort of like early Friday afternoon. You right. had a work thing that came up. I am, um, yeah, I'm actually work's a nightmare for me um, in general. But um, that Newcastle gig, I'm definitely going to get down for it. But I've got to be in Warrington for like eight o'clock. So I've got to go from the northeast to the northwest. First thing in the morning on the, I think you're in Newcastle on the Tuesday. Um, no, nothing like a weekday gig to like completely fuck up your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm traveling early doors on the Wednesday morning, so I won't be able to party too hard on the Tuesday night. But but I'll definitely definitely get along. But we can, I guess, we can chat about that tour and stuff like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Weekday gigs are funny though. Everyone kind of says the same thing. It's like yeah, yeah I'll come down, but I've got to leave early. And then you always get that one person that rocks up and gets absolutely bladdered. 
and it's like, oh, fucking hell, I've got to be in work at seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to see you in, in Hamburg anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's your, right. Yeah, was, yeah. an awesome tour, right? I mean, how, how was that? Cool, bloody hell. Um, yeah, it was mad in a lot of aspects. I mean, like, we basically played every day. Like, any day off that Social Distortion took we filled it with another show uh and that's like kind of how we've always done it. it's always been like full throttle but what we didn't take into consideration is we haven't toured in two years so it's just like we right. put this tour and we got like four days in maybe five days in we all got really ill i blew my voice out and i was like oh no we haven't got a day off for like three weeks <laughs> so i remember we got to helsinki and I was trying like everything, gargling salt water. I got like the catering crew that was there to boil me water in a bowl to do that like steaming trick. Like, you know, like, yeah. You, yeah, um, yeah. like vapor. I was doing everything and it's like, it can't, it works. I mean, I had my voice for the set, but like any time there wasn't like a verse or a chorus, I was basically turning around to face Jacob and just coughing in his face like I'm fucking dying right now like <laughs> like still trying to look professional and he's like absolutely cursing me like you're gonna get me ill and I'm like oh no but I'm trying not to like let everyone know so that was mad in, like, in terms of trying to get better while on the tour but the whole thing was just like nuts and I think like we've made mates with lovebreakers now like they're yeah, be friends forever now you've spent like your three months with them it's yeah. like that's the cool aspect about being on a tour that's like that long it's like you're like you're forced into these like friendships it's like you're going to get to know me now for the next nine weeks whether you like it or not <laughs> but they, they were wicked and it was, yeah it was a wicked tour have you ever done one of those tours where you're like a long run where you've really just not gelled or got on with the other band? I mean, you don't have to name anyone, but is there any, is it actually happened? Uh, not that we haven't got on with, but we did one tour. It was like pretty nuts. It wasn't as long. I think it was about three or four weeks, but it was three bands in one van. Like we shared a van. Oh, it was like okay. these four rows of seats. And it was just like, like you couldn't stretch out in the van every seat was full so like we were doing some ridiculous drives like 10 hour drives and you all sat there like fucking hell like my legs hurt my back hurts I want to try sleep but you're all talking but the only blessing is that one of the bands that was on the tour had a girl in the band so no one farted in the van (laughs) (laughs) The, the van the van was actually like it was good in that aspect but fuck man I could never do that again yeah and i suppose when it's like illnesses as well like you're just in a capsule of like everyone else's germs and oh yeah one person gets it you're all getting it like there's no two ways about it mike ness actually he called off shows on that run didn't he with with he lost his voice yeah shit it was hamburg wasn't it like it was almost his last one yeah i can't remember where he was supposed to be the next day i think it was was it bremen it was bremen yeah that's it yeah and like, I remember we didn't know until that night he announced it. And it was just like, oh, right, shit, I guess tomorrow's cancelled then. Like, Yeah, it was awkward. It was, I was in a slightly awkward position because I went to talk to um, the tour manager, Larry, about something, about something unrelated. And in that moment, he was like, close the door. 
And uh, I think what was Mike's assistant called? Was it Christian? He was in the room. They were just saying, Larry's like, he can't do Bremen Pullet. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, can I tell the boys? He's like, nah, just just keep it to yourself now. But <laughs> it's going bec- to gonna become quite apparent for them quite soon. And then obviously Mike Ness announced it on stage. He's going to drop that bomb on you, but no, you can't share yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, did, he did all right at that Hamburg gig as well. I don't, I mean, I don't think many of the crowd, like, picked up on the fact he was, I mean, he obviously wasn't on, his best form, but like he he pulled it out of the bag, like yeah. The other two covered it as well. I remember like when it was hitting certain choruses, like they just bumped up their mic volume and covered it with harmonies, which was like, quite a clever trick. But I mean, yeah. it is hard, like especially if you've blown your voice, and it's like you you actually end up pushing even harder, like trying to basically compensate, and then you yeah. just basically fuck it even more. So I think the fact they cancelled it was probably wise. Well, at the time, we were gutted. It was just like, oh, it's like the last... Because that was due to be the last date in mainland Europe, I'm pretty sure. Right, yeah. Well, did, did you did you manage to jump on a show the next night or did you just cut your losses and head home? Can you remember? Uh, we, uh, I think we played three more on the way home and we ended up yeah. joining them on a festival we played the day before that we wasn't booked on because um, Phil Campbell... Uh, from Motorhead he was supposed to play but he got COVID so they pulled off this festival and we ended up getting yeah like, bumped onto this festival like last minute so that was pretty cool I mean I don't know how many people knew that he cancelled and then like they're all kind of like rocking up to the stage ready for his set and then like <laughs> our backdrop went up and you could kind of see his reaction like I get the like little time sheets out <laughs> just like looking at the stage like hmm Okay. <laughs> the people stuck about, but yeah, definitely weren't what they were expecting. But uh, I mean, have you picked up much of a new following off the back of that tour? I know um, we were at the merch stand a little bit afterwards and you you seem to be getting loads of loads of attention from like the locals around there and they're really like, into what you, what you had done. It's interesting when you're playing to another band's following because they're going to pick up on certain aspects that maybe you didn't necessarily think of. And there was a lot of people yeah. that were coming up to us at the end that were comparing certain songs with The Clash. So, like, the Social Distortion fan base definitely has a love for, like, the earlier punk. And they were, yeah. like, pulling points from that. And it was like, oh, okay, like, if you're hearing that, then I'm going to run with it. Like, let's go. But we've not really played many shows since that. So we're only really seeing it on social media, kind of people like, we saw you there, I've grabbed tickets for this. So I think it won't be until we tour and get chatting with people that we'll realise that they were on that tour. But yeah, okay. I feel like, yeah, we definitely noticed like a lot of influx of their fan base, like which is which is like the whole thing of going on a tour like that. It's just basically poaching their fan base as much as possible. Of course. But yeah, yeah. I hope so. I mean, we'll see what see what happens from it. Obviously, at the time of recording, we've got uh, we're not far at all from the new album release, uh, which we'll, we'll come to very shortly. But I suppose I'm I'm just curious. So you, you mentioned you haven't played many shows since since that tour wrapped up, and obviously there's been a couple, a few single releases from from the upcoming album. But like, just can you give us kind of like a broad summary of like how the last half of last year looked for you guys, and you know what 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 you were busy with, I guess, um, like band wise and outside of it. 
so we finished that tour and then we actually went straight back out to Europe like eight days later and we did a small run in France. I think we played two festivals and maybe two club shows. Right. And then oh, I think we maybe did like three or four more gigs, so two more festivals and then one more in Germany and that was it. Like we we were done gigging by the end of August. Like we haven't played since about I think it was August the August twenty second was our last gig. We come home oh, wow, okay. straight off that and filmed we drove from the middle of Germany down to Falmouth like in two days to film doing time. Oh you filmed you filmed doing time in Falmouth? Yeah, we were in um uh, that, that's where my parents and brother live around. Uh, honestly it was like we drove well. all the way back to the Isle of Wight, but we were the furthest point from the Isle of Wight. It just felt yeah. the same place. It was nuts. Um, we filmed, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's like one of those companies that upload your music to Spotify. Um, okay, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but they let us use their office to film that. So we did that Oh, nice. end of August. Then we kind of fell pretty quiet for a bit, to be honest. We didn't do the new video for Under the Streetlight until October. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because that came out in November. Yeah, so we did that in October. And that was it, to be honest. Oh, yeah. We haven't really done much else. Like, we've been rehearsing quite a bit. Like, we basically recorded the album and then didn't play it for about seven months. And it was like, okay, <laughs> like, let's learn our own album again before it comes out. So we've been doing that. And that's kind of it, really. We've just been like, we were caught in a situation of there were so many rescheduled gigs still happening post-COVID. And that yeah. we were so close to an album release, it was like a weird point of, do we tour again, but then have to release a record and everyone's like, well, I've only just seen them. Or do we just kind of like yeah. hold our horses and start this year, which is what we ended up going for. I'm glad we did it that way, but I am very bored being at home now. And it's just like this constant <laughs> countdown, like waiting to go. It's like, you say, um, you say Jack's, Jack's at work. What kind of, I mean, are you just, what kind of work you're doing in like the Isle of Wight? What's available to you to just do kind of short term before like tours? Are you just picking up anything? But yeah, basically, I mean, it's like quick. I would say cash in hand, but nothing is cash in hand anymore. Jack's on the bar. He works a bar job, but he hasn't been there much really. Like he was, he was doing it a bit when we come off the tour and the Isle of Wight falls so quiet through like December, January, February. Right. Basically, if you want a night out, the pub will only stay open if there's like so many people in there. And if they aren't in there by like 10, it'll shut. So like you could right. be in a massive group, be like, oh yeah, we've had a beers at my mate's house, I'm going to go out now and it's gone 10. Everything would be shut already because there was no one in there. <laughs> so it's like, he had no hours to do that. And it's we've all been in this like, weird limbo of just like we know stuff's coming up so we're going to be busy but it's January yeah. and February the most bleak months on the Isle of Wight and we've got nothing <laughs> to do it's yeah it's, it's been a weird few weeks you mentioned before we started recording how uh, it was your drummer Jacob's birthday yesterday so happy birthday Jacob were you were you involved in the celebrations for that yesterday yeah we did an interview uh at about two I was still trying to pull myself yeah. together to get on the phone. I was like, Christ, I don't bet it all sticking up. I was just like, <laughs> are we going to be using the film from this or are you just going to transcript it 
It's transcript, luckily. I was like, oh, Christ, because I'm dying <laughs> right now. <laughs> Big bottle of water did you get... sorting me out right now. What did you get up to? Just local pub or? Well, we actually had rehearsal here. yesterday. We kind of stitched Jacob up a bit. It was just like, yeah, you're going to have to put in a bit of a shift before you can go out. <laughs> but we didn't get out until like quarter to nine. So we ended up like catching up with no one. We were just like, well, everything's going to shut soon. So like, quick. Yeah. Stumbled in at about half two. Nice. Nice, nice. little shindig. Good effort. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I actually listened to the last episode you did with Chris. And um, Chris, I, I remember Chris asking you, like, what would be your dream dream tour? Like, you know, you were talking about social distortion, interrupters and drop kicks and all that good stuff. But he said, like, kind of, what would be your dream tour? And you both said rancid. And <laughs> uh, Jack, Jack kind of said it would be rancid, but there was almost a tone in his voice that suggested that that tour was already being discussed and in the works. So I don't know if you can <laughs> confirm or deny that. Um, but, yeah, I mean... In general, kind of, it was. How are you feeling about that? At that point, I wish okay. it was, but it, that only come about. Uh, it was pretty recent, actually. It was like close to the announcement. Like we got an email, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's going to be announced next week. I was like, whoa, shit, okay. Um, but yeah, I got to admit, I remember. Again, it, it was in January or maybe it's December. It's just like, God, everything's bleak. Nothing's going on. I was on my way to be an extra in a Indian film. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I was like on the bus going there, and uh, I got an email come through, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like it's just like Rancid and Capitals Europe tour. As I buzzed the boys, I was like, "Fuck me! Have you seen this?" Like, and uh, <laughs> we're all typing to each other in Capitals, like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> before we'd even confirmed it they could have turned around and then gone actually change of plans but we were already like <laughs> shitting our knickers that it was like come through but yeah honestly yeah I mean had you, had you done any kind of was there any warming up with Tim or Larks I know you obviously you got kind of worked with him and got contacts but was it just an out of the blue email like there was no yeah we didn't know they were coming over I mean I saw that they were announced for I think it was Mighty Sounds and I kind of assumed I was like right they've got to be doing something. There's no way they're just going to come over for one festival. So I was like, hmm, is it just going to be like a few festival appearances or how are they going to do this? And it was like, there was a few more that were announced and I was just like, kind of watching it. And I, for me, I was actually just hoping to go see them. I was like, come on, like, announce a UK yeah. date. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, getting that was just, I don't know, like mind-blowing. Let, let's take a moment to acknowledge... I mean, Sid, how many people can say that sentence? So I was, I was on the bus to be an extra in an Indian film <laughs> and then I got an email to say I'm going to be supporting Rancid. <laughs> Just want to take a moment to acknowledge yeah. that, the, the randomness and the awesomeness <laughs> of that. Yeah, we've got a, a, a friend here and she's involved in like, I, I don't know how it come about, but there's been a lot of filming on the Isle of Wight recently, like the BBC come down here and they did oh, yeah. like a, a series down here. And I got that's how I got into it. And I got this like random message, just like you available tomorrow for like ten hours work. I was like, yeah, all right. What have I got to do? And she was just like, you've just got to walk. I was like, is that it? I was like, all right. And then it was the same message. I was on a, a night out, and I replied at like 
it was late again, like probably two in the morning. Like, yeah, sure thing. I'll be there tomorrow. Woke up. I was like, fuck, what have I agreed to? Like, absolutely hanging. Like, okay, I've got to go be in an Indian film. Got there and it was just like the same thing, just walking basically. But yeah, that whole day I was just there like, holy shit. <laughs> I was in a totally different place. I was just like, whoa. But yeah, I'll get up to some uh, interesting things while I'm home. <laughs> yeah, I'll like say. It. Love it. Got take any opportunity that comes your way. I get screening <laughs> by the sounds of it this time of year. Yeah, exactly. So if you ever see this Indian film come out, spot me walking. I'll be in the background somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look up for it. So I guess, I mean, we can talk about um, what you talk about, the release or the, I guess, the new new album. And then you've got your headline tour straight pretty much straight away yeah like i mean you talked a little bit about the 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 record and the writing because obviously it was a while ago on the last podcast but kind of how are you feeling about that now are you ready to go is it have you got everything lined up and uh yeah are you ready i think so i mean there's definitely like yeah. that pre-nerves i think the response to the singles has been really cool like you're always gonna back your own work and be like yeah like I'm very proud of this. Yeah. Like, this is what we've been working on. But it's like, you never know what anyone else is going to think. And it's very easy for people to turn around and just go, oh, that was shit. And then it's like, I've been working <laughs> on that for years. Like, so I think there's like that kind of nerves of just being like, okay, this is like a, a big project. Like, it was like the whole pandemic, pre-pandemic, like a lot of time went into it. I mean, I guess that's the same for anyone making a record. But that I think that's what builds the nerve side of thing of just like, okay, now this is going to be out there. But again, like very proud of it, ready for it to be out. So I think we've definitely matured as the band's got older. And I feel like this is the point of the band where it's like we've reached the sound and writing style that we've been trying to achieve. And it's like... Yeah. Lyrically, it's all very like meaningful personal experiences. So there, there isn't a song on it that we're like, oh, did, did that one need to be on there? It's like each one you can kind of like back solidly and just be like, like there's 15 songs as well. So I mean, that was like, when you're getting into that many songs, it's like some people be like, oh, bit long, probably like pick out a few. But like the play, it only runs for about 34 minutes. So it's still a short record in terms of time, but it reads like yeah. a longer record. But yeah, ready ready to get it out there and start this like next, I guess like the next chapter of the band really. Feels like we had the pause of like the pandemic of just like what what's next? And now it's kind of like foot to the floor. Well, let's go like, out the gates and we're ready to do it kind of thing. Obviously I've heard all the songs you've released, but I'm excited to hear this when I come out. I'm just like I've got the credits up on Tidal for it and it's uh it looks like most of the songs it says uh, when I say that, there's a it, there's a few song no, no. Most songs are written just by the three of you, but there's a few that Tim's got a writing credit on I, I Yeah, think. there's twelve twelve are written all by us and then there's yeah three co writes. Uh, doesn't matter much now. Is a co-write with Tim and a guy called Alex yeah. Orange Drink, and then there's Yep, I can see. Don't stand alone, which is the end of the A side. That's a co-write with Tim. 
And then the final track, Bottom Shelf, is a co-write with Tim and Jesse Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the co-writes we've done for this one. Do, do you have a favourite on the record? What, a favourite track in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's, that's tough. Uh, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with It's a Mad World Baby on the B-side. That's going to take take the cake for me. Okay. Yeah, I've gone with an album one, not a single. I love I love all the singles. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, love all of them. But lyrically, I think, lyrically, I think Madwell takes it for me. So, um, headline tour to pretty much slam that that record home, right? Um, how many dates are you doing? And you've already sold sold out a couple couple of venues already on that on that tour. Uh, there's uh, we haven't we sold out our hometown one. There's a few that are close. It's like. Close, we yeah. got, I think we're about three weeks out now. Um, we're doing 17 dates in the UK. No days off. Wow. May I add? That's going to be Jesus. an absolute stint. <laughs> and then we've got... That's how you like yeah, to do it. No, I'll say that now. Check in with me at the end of it. <laughs> and then we've got uh, two days off to travel. And then we're doing, I think it's 26 in Europe. Again, no days off. Mm-hmm. 26 off the belt. Yeah, we're, go, we're wow. going all in. Uh, I think it's 26. There's a few still to be announced because we've just added an extra week. Um, and that's all in France, actually. We're doing like nine, nine shows all in France to finish it. Um, we've got Death by Stereo coming over for the Europe leg as well. Yeah, That's cool. going to be sick. Um, but yeah, we, we're kind of, again, jumping in. <laughs> head first and just going full throttle I mean we got two gigs next week we're doing one in Kingston for the record release and then we got yeah I'll see you oh yeah that. you're coming down right wicked yeah yeah and then we got our hometown on the Saturday and then yeah nice. I think it's like two weeks and then the actual tour starts yeah so yeah busy <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I mean you talked last time about kind of France being where you guys really kind of started kick things off outside, you know, because Isla White much not not much going on, and you started in France. I've, given you started there, do you find that going back there now you've got a real a real solid solid base to work with, and you see you've got quite a few dates. Yeah, dates I don't know. I mean, we we went over there, and there was like a a brief period at the start of the band where we went back for quite a few shows, like mainly weekend ones, and then. Like we, we just didn't go back there for ages. There wasn't like a reason for it. It just like never, never really come up on tour routines. And now suddenly it's like we're nearly playing it as much as the UK. We played. Um, there was a social D date there in Paris, and then we went back and we played Paris again. Like literally two weeks later, I think it was. We played this boat. It, it was like an actual barge. We played it with Anti Flag. And I think like that was where the word kind of started to spread. It was weird because it wasn't like a huge gig. It was probably like four, five hundred people. But like there was just this like wave of like messages from people in France, just like, "Are you going to be playing this? Are you going to be doing that?" Heard about the set of this show, and it was like, "Whoa, holy shit!" Like what's going on here? And like there was like a load of clips that went up like from the set. And it was just like one of those nights, like uh, there was a band called The Decline from Australia that opened it. And you know, when you're at a gig and you can just feel it, it's like this night is just going to be like electric. 
and it was start to finish all four bands like the crowd was just nuts like what it was honestly I, probably, I would say it's probably my favourite show we've ever played and it was like oh, wow. whoa like, the boat's like rocking and everything I'm like holy shit and I don't know I think like we started booking this tour and the guy that booked us for that show was like yeah we're gonna do the whole of France and it just escalated from there was, I don't know I'm like I'm really looking forward to that like leg of it because it's come like out of nowhere really quickly and I'm like kind of intrigued to see what that leads to yeah definitely did you um did you get to interact with anti-flag much that night if, um, if so had you met them before did you know them at all and... so we were actually meant to tour in 2020 uh across the states uh, okay. and we played one show <laughs> and that was it and then everything was cancelled <laughs> uh that night like it was the first night of the tour so it was mainly just introductions it was like welcome okay. to the tour like good to meet you because uh, we were still like figuring stuff out as well like for that tour our van didn't even get across the border so we were like completely stiff with like equipment and everything um and then we got to montreal the next day and that, that was when i think canada went into lockdown that day and it was just kind of like that was when we all sat down and we're like right what do we do and then seeing them in paris so this is like fast forward two and a half years it was like, oh shit, good to see you again. And it was kind of just like a strange yeah, yeah. catch up of like, what happened with you after that tour then? Like, and so it was kind of a funny catch up because we never really got to know each other at that point. But then it already feels like you knew each other because we were both stuck in this exact same spot. Um, but as people, they are all the most genuine, lovely people. Like, we we then played with them again a few weeks later in Germany, and just every encounter with them is like they, them and their crew, look out for everyone. They were constantly like making sure that we were good as well as them being set, yeah. and it's like that they don't need to do that. They could have easily just been like, right, see you later. But they were like, no, nah, anything yeah. you need, if you need help with this, let us know, we'll do it. And it's like little touches like that is like when that band will forever be memorable to like someone in our position because like I said they don't yeah. need to go out their way but yeah very cool guys and their live show is immense yeah of course yeah yeah we've been wanting them on this show <laughs> yeah yeah we have tried haven't we to book them but seen them at Slammed Up but never actually seen them at a like a proper venue have you not yeah Oh, no. Yeah, seeing him on that boat that night, the boat, I, I can't even explain it. It was like literally rocking to the point of like, you could feel seasick. Like, it was like, you'd be standing, you, if you stood there with a beer, your beer would literally just be like, it was nuts. Talking of uh, Slam Dunk, has that ever been kind of on on your on your kind of list of you? Like, I don't, I don't, they, don't really, they don't really book much in terms of like proper... Like oi punk kind of stuff, do they really? Like, well, they? yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely on our list to do. Um, I, I can't, we're away for the one this year because it did. We were talking about it. I don't know whether it was like an offer or if it was like an initial idea. But like those dates were already filled. Uh, it's again, it's one I'd want to go to as a punter. Like everything I hear about it is just like it's one of those things that like, you got to get to it. Like it's great. 
Well, if we had the chance to play it, but I wouldn't be turning it down. <laughs> so where on the um, headline tour are you um, kind of looking forward to the most in terms of kind of UK, mainland, UK? Uh, What's, uh... I'm looking forward to going to Wales. First time we've ever been there, so that'll be cool. Uh, we're doing Belfast on St. Patrick's Day. So I think I mean, oh, that nice. one's going to be pretty mad. Wild. We're kind of like all talking to each other and it's like, we've got to be sensible. We've got a gig the next day. And then like, everyone else is kind of like, <laughs> but it's St. Patrick's Day. So we'll see what happens with that one. Like, <laughs> that could be the end of us at that point, but we'll see. Um, I don't think any, any proper Northern Irish fans are going to let you... Uh... <laughs> Turn in for an early yeah, night. I've already, already heard yeah. about it. Like, like, yeah, we've got the buck fast ready. And it's like, oh, God. So I already know we're going to be getting on that ferry the next morning, dying. And it's pretty rocky. I don't know if you've ever been on it. So No, just, just flown over there. Yeah, yeah, it's the best race of it. Newcastle, of course. Looking forward to that one. Yes. Yeah, we haven't been. <laughs> we've not been to Newcastle in... We've only ever played there once, actually, and that was with the Interrupters. All right, okay. You would have been at that show, Nick, would you? It was at the university, I'm pretty sure. Oh, might have been then. Yeah, the, like the the downstairs basement. Yeah, and it's got like then, a root. It's, it's like yeah. the ceiling's really low. I was, yeah. I was at that, but it, but I, I came with the wife, so I was really late. We'd gone for dinner, so I probably had missed you at the time. Oh, excuses. I'll be there. I'll be there in March. Don't you worry. Even yeah, even with my early it. start. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming <laughs> back. Actually, the whole experience there was wicked. And I've heard that the venue's pretty cool as well. Um, the Love of Find is that it? Something I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not familiar with it either. I think it's quite a new like arts creative space. Oh, okay, so, cool. Um, yeah, it'd be good to kind of check it out myself so. no, wicked, yeah. Oh, yeah. no i'm excited for that one it'll be good and then so you so headline uh headline tours out the way you you know albums released and then you got this rancid tour that uh the, the venues must be pretty pretty significant on that tour right i'm i'm, I'm yeah seen, there's seen some of them were on the social d run actually uh one there's one in warsaw that was on the social distortion tour oh yeah and i think it's one of the ones in germany as well but um, yeah, they're, they're big rooms. It's like big cup venues. Yeah. It's kind of like that pre-thought of just like, oh bloody, hell, it's going to be a lot. Like we had the chance to play Brixton a few years ago uh, with the drop kicks, and I think like as amazing as that tour was, I don't know if we were like completely ready for it. Like you're uh, stepping right, out okay. on stage to like five thousand people, and it's like prior to like, yeah. don't get me wrong, like we'd had our chance to play to like a big crowd at like a festival and stuff like that but there's something different when it's indoors and it's just like that many people in a room it's like to control an audience when you don't know how to and that size was just like it was yeah it was hard I mean I guess it's like you've got to learn to do it so in that sense it was like there was a lot to take away and be like okay this is how we could be better in a venue this size but Oh yeah, I remember bricking it like that night, just being like, "Fucking hell, this room is huge!" And it was like the last night of the tour, so a lot of the members of the Dropkicks were watching the set. And I remember playing the song and having the worst yeah, voice yeah. break of my life. Standing like, oh, <laughs> just <no>. like, <laughs> like went sky high. Like, oh, cock it! Like everyone heard that, and that's that's like my one memory of Brixton. Like 
everyone hearing that god awful voice break, but ready to uh, go back and make amends for that. <laughs> <laughs> Something I haven't asked you before that, that just comes to mind. Every time I've seen you live, um, like in between songs, I think it's it's always you that addresses the crowd and does like the kind of banter or whatever. And it's it's never Jack. Has that always been the case? Is that you con- you guys consciously? Uh, no, I, don't. I think in the earlier days of us doing it, we kind of would both speak, but there would be like yeah. there would be times of just like in between songs that we would kind of be lost as to what to do. It's like, for yeah. one point, we'd both be absolutely dying because we used to play our songs at about 200 miles an hour. Like, it was always right. way, way, way too quick. Um, and I don't know, I think just always, like, there would always be that nerves of just like, okay, like, what do we say now? And I think yeah. it kind of all came out. We played a hometown gig here in kind of the middle of the pandemic when things were like, I think it was like, you could have 50% of the venue capacity. I think that's what it was. And um, it was Jack's birthday that night. And I, I kind of just had this idea. I was like, okay, what if I just grab the mic, kind of walk to the middle of the stage and then talk and see like how that goes down. I'd already had a few beers before I went on because it was his birthday. So like a bit of Dutch courage. And I was like, I kind of finished the set that night. I was like, gosh, shit, that actually worked quite well. And we all kind of spoke about it afterwards and was like, that filled that middle gap of just like having the middle of the stage actually filled like as a free piece that is always empty. And then it was like that connection with everyone rather than just being like the guy stood on the stage just there to perform. Uh, But again, I think that took quite a few shows to like come into itself because then it's like you get to the point of like what am I actually gonna say no I'm still here now with the mic away from the mic stand and I've got nothing to say yeah so it's like figuring that out as well um and I think once we started doing that it kind of just subconsciously happened that I would be the one to talk and it just there was never you don't talk I talk it just like was one of those things that just like naturally progressed and yeah, just kept running with it, really. I suppose when you're doing like tours with drop kicks, interrupters, social distortion as well, surely like you see them every night and you see them doing it and the, you learn a bit. And that like, is exactly it. Honestly, it was just penciling notes. Yeah. It was the same with, um, so me and Jack both play wireless live and we will swap mics like to keep moving. Oh, that's right. And it, that was from watching hardcore bands. Like, I remember, I think it was Agnostic Front and I remember seeing them do it. I was just like, that was pretty cool. Like, it just was like, oh shit, oh he's over here now. So like, you've like just got people on their toes. And I think it kind of helps to get the crowd moving as well if you're moving, and it's just like we'll bring up that energy a little bit. And the same with touring with like all of those bands. Like the way that they engage with the crowd each night was just like it was good to. It was just like studying their set basically. I remember like with the interrupters kind of watching Kevin and the way that he holds the crowd's attention between songs was just like, he's gotten captured for the whole hour 10. Like some little skits in between where he's telling like a whole family story or even just like little introductions. And it's like, it was never too much. It wasn't like, 
God, he's rambling a bit now. It was always just like perfect mm. point. Just linking it all together. So I remember watching and like the same with Ken Casey and the Dropkicks, just like he he talks like um like a boxing promoter. Like in the like the really just hypes the crowd. And I was the same thing, I was just like, he's got them from the get go. Like regardless of the music and everyone knowing the songs, yeah. his presence has captured the audience. And it, it was like it'd be like coming home and like watching that same set on YouTube, just like what was he doing there? That was cool. And like with any band really and just trying to like kind of like put our own spin on it in a way. It's like rock school right there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Hamburg, that was a pretty decent sized venue and I was pretty, pretty blown away by, by your set there. Yeah. So, that, um, yeah. Yeah. That room was massive. I remember the like, just being a plaid, yeah, like the, the amount of like layers up going up. So Jesus, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you got like a? Have you got like a preference in terms of like? I guess there's pros and cons to both in terms of like your small, like, headline tour versus like a big, big cap venue tour with you know support and some yeah. fans. Or do you just like how is it good just to have that mix? I don't know. I feel like sometimes the smaller ones are harder to engage with people. Because it's just like, if they don't bite, it's like, well, shit, we are literally face-to-face right now. And it's like, I'm just getting a blank look yeah, back. Yeah. And I can see it clear as day. So, like, when you're trying that thing in a small venue, it's like you've really got to go in it with confidence. Because if you, like, back out of it a little bit, it becomes awkward for everyone involved. It's just like, oh, why do you do that? <laughs> but, like, with the big rooms, it's like there's so many heads. It's like... You, I don't know, I kind of get lost of just like where to look. So then it's like back just down to the front row and like try and engage with people as close as possible to try and create the small venue feel. So it's weird because it's like, yeah, I'm saying at one point it's like the small venue's hard, but then you're on a big stage trying to create that small venue feel. But yeah, I think there definitely are like pros and cons to both. Like, for example, the Hamburg show, I remember the sound was like, on stage was just so big it felt like at points so I was like am I even playing in time like is the snares like echoing <laughs> that much I'm like fuck oh, I can't hear shit like if you step out from that monitor it's like the sound is travelling so much it was just weird so that was a strange experience because like I don't think we've played in a room that is that tall so like the sound was just massive um yeah. But again, I mean, that's now like one to take under our belt and just be like, get ready for that if that ever happens again. Like, stick to your monitor and try not to get lost. Yeah, I suppose you got the uh, the bonus of catering and all those good things that come with the big tours. God, as well. mate, I don't think I've ever eaten so good in my life on that tour. <laughs> Every day, I was just like, I'm actually eating five a day. I'm eating my vegetables right now. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that would. That would it must save you a bit on cost, cost though, right? Compared to like just doing your own your own thing. Yeah, true. I mean, if we're like buying out and trying to keep it as cheap as possible, and I think that's why it always ends up as fast food. Like, it's, you're just yeah, always sure. if we're in the UK, we're in spoons, like burger and a pint, six yeah. quid. Like, it becomes very unhealthy very quick, and it's like that's kind of a hard thing to get out of. It's like, oh, do we spend extra for a decent dinner? It's like. Nah, we'll go back to spoons. Right. 
And I, I think every band will vouch for that. Like, I think everyone does the exact same thing. Yeah. I think that Dropkick tour we did, I think we had a Spoons breakfast every day of that tour. By the end of it, I never wanted to step foot <laughs> in Spoons again. <laughs> nice. Well, um, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you've got any plans tonight to cure that hangover, like, uh, but I guess we can kind of wrap up. <laughs> working on it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess before you go, like I mean, just the new release. How would if you had to kind of summarize it in like a, a few few kind of words for our listeners? What you know? Did you know what this is the it? hardest question that I were ever asked? It's like I, I never like I never know how to sell it. I'm just like oh, you should listen to this. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think album releases are funny in this day and age because it's like you have the diehard listeners that will listen to the album front to back that like still love an album. But then there's people that will just like pick a few tracks out on Spotify and chuck it in a playlist. But I think the record as a whole, there is something for everyone. I think it pulls from different elements, like different waves of like the punk eras from like the seventies, eighties into the American nineties punk. I think there's like elements of Britpop that kind of run through it into like the mm-hmm. early Arctic Monkeys kind of sound. So I think if you are like finding us, I think there will be a track on there for you. But if you've already known us, I think album front to back will be for you as well. I'll um yeah, you do not you're doing it on vinyl aren't you? Yes, yeah yeah. yeah. Vinyl. vinyl is the best way. That's that's my opinion. I'll pick, <laughs> pick up one of those when I see you guys in uh Oh no, yeah, wicked. Nice. Well, uh, Sid, always good to see you, you, my friend, and we really appreciate your time today. And um, well, I'll see you this this coming Friday, but I'll, I'll probably be in touch yeah, yeah. before then. And I can't wait for you to arrive.